Welcome to Word is Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is 4-26-2023, and we're ready to begin our worship service. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this time we have this evening. We thank you for life, health, and strength. And as we open your word this evening, we pray for wisdom and knowledge as we try to have enough humility that you can teach us from the scriptures that are before us. Father, we thank you for those who have joined and uh, we also pray for their families and extended families. In fact, Father, you know the hearts of your people. You know what, what is hurting us and where we have concern and we pray for uh, that you would ease our minds and know that you care for us and for those our loved ones as well. So we thank you, Father, for your comprehensive care, and we pray as we open your word that you will challenge us. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. All right, so we have been studying, as you know, in the book of Romans. We are just about finished 12.3. We do have a few points to make uh, from last week, so you should have notes. And in your Romans 12.3, we have this last little piece, this last phrase to deal with, which is in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. We're going to talk about that. Uh, let's just read <coughs> the opening. Romans 12.3 says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with, with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. The Spirit of Truth continues to define the parameters of what his, quote, good, pleasing, and perfect will what is his good, pleasing, and perfect will? The subject is worship, or better said, how we respond to God in this age. As we learn more and more about this unique age, the new creation, we gain the divine perspective. As we grow up in Christ, we will discover the grace that has been given to each of us. To discover this properly, some introspection is involved. So we covered quite a bit of notes here. Um, so we went all the way down. We're going, not going to do too much by way of review, but we're going to move right into point number four in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Let's just discuss this. This is an important phrase, uh, something we just need to work out. And then once we have it, we have it. First point is A, in accordance with, our soberness is related to faith, not our estimation of ourselves, but God's. So when God transforms us, uh, we, we went through the whole point of, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Sober judgment is how God sees us, not how we see ourselves. Now, obviously, if we are evaluating ourselves 
in the light of how God sees us, well, then it would work. Right? We, would, we could then see a true picture of ourselves. But if we don't take into account having a transformed mind, then we won't be able to evaluate ourselves properly. And that is always self-deception is a form of arrogance. Right? If we think of ourselves more highly than we ought, it, it, is, it could be a form of arrogance. I would also say don't think of yourself lower than you ought. I know we could talk about the reverse of that, which would also be wrong to do but to think of ourselves in terms of what God has given us. So just, just to note, many people might look at that phrase and make it stand alone and say, well, we have to look at ourselves uh, from a positive perspective, or we might want to look at ourselves by using positive thinking or something. Uh, I'm just going to mute you, Bill. Welcome, though. And so... Point B, moving forward. Faith is always looking away from ourselves. The subject is not salvation, but simply believing the object of our faith, which is the mind of Christ. So we look at that one phrase. If you think about it, that one phrase, where it talks about uh, here in 1 Corinthians 2.16. Uh, remember, the Holy Spirit takes from Christ and he makes it known to us. Well, what does he take from? He takes from the mind of Christ. So 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But then he follows up with, But we have the mind of Christ. Now we have that through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's why it says, But the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. That's uh, uh, verse 10. So, so we know that having the mind of, of Christ is what is being revealed to us. Part of that information is not just about who Christ is and what he has done, what the Father's plan is, but it is about us. So that's the part as we f focus in on what this phrase brings to the table, it allows us to see another aspect of it. Let's keep it going. So at point B, faith is always looking away from ourselves. So it's never looking at ourselves for some action or spiritual information or knowledge or wisdom. It is always looking away. And we know we're not talking about salvation, so we can take that off the table. And we said that faith is more of the objective sense, which means uh, it focuses on what is believed or the body of truth, since it's not salvation. Point C, let's keep it going. Faith is specialized information that the spirit of truth provides for each individual believer to function according to their gifting. Let's look at a couple of these passages. Uh, so, so, so when it says, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So this faith that God is giving out to each of us, let's, that's what we're thinking about. We're trying to expand on what is that. I said it wasn't 
It's not about salvation. It's about our gifting, which is going to be the subject here. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11 for some understanding here. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 says, These are diff there, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Again, here we're talking about the Spirit distributing gifts, and then he's going to have to tell us how those gifts function, right? And how we are to use those gifts. Five, there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but all of them, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So notice, just because we're not all the same, it's pretty clear. Now, to each one... <clears throat> The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So, so there, we're seeing how this is all playing out. The manifestation or the actual outworking of that spiritual gift is given. It's given who's in control? God, the Holy Spirit, is in control of all of this. Eight, to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit. Faith is not uh, so much the same thing we're dealing with in our verse. Faith is here the gift of faith, uh, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another miraculous powers to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these, this is 11, are the work of the one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So when I say in point C, faith is specialized information that the Spirit of Truth provides for each individual believer to function according to their gifting. So not only does the Spirit give uh, this specialized uh, instruction, but not all the same to everybody. It depends on what spiritual gift He has also given you. So how do we know about the spiritual gifts? Ephesians 4, 7 talks about it. We've covered this scripture it says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So now we know what he's talking about because he goes in from there. The context goes into the communication gifts. Verse 11, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastor teachers. So, so think about it now that as we're putting all this together. Each one of us receives faith. Faith is where the Holy Spirit takes from the mind of Christ and makes specific information known to us about our gifting, our manifestation, whatever our, our gift, the manifesting of our gifts. He is able, not only does the Spirit give us the gifts, He tells us how the gifts function on each one, in each one of us. He personally gives us that information and then he empowers us to use the gift 
So no one can use a spiritual gift apart from God the Holy Spirit. It would be impossible. First, it is an, a divine enablement. He gives us the ability, whatever it is, whether it's the knowledge or the wisdom or whatever it is, even down to the gifts of faith, he gives us that ability and then he, he helps us understand how to use it. That makes sense. We, we don't just have the gift. So it's a specialized function that each individual has uh, so that we can function according to our gifting. Point D, moving forward. So the faith is not something we have. So it's definitely not something we have. Right? Uh, if you look at saving faith, we have to have saving faith. It is a, Saving faith is a choice that we make to trust the matter of our soul's salvation to Christ. It is something we have. Um, we shouldn't look at faith as some gift from God and now we're able to believe. No, what God the Holy Spirit does is he provides us with information so it counters the darkness so we can now make sense of what God's salvation is. Once we understand God's salvation, Holy Spirit then encourages us to believe, to tr put our trust in Christ. And so it is our decision to do that. So it's a totally different function here as we're turning the corner and now talking about faith. It's not something we have. Well, the, the text says that in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So this is something that God, and we know who it is, it's God the Holy Spirit, is distributing this, and, it, and it's information. Faith here is the body of truth, but it's the mind of Christ. But more specifically, it's that part of Christ's mind that has the function of the spiritual gifts. And Holy Spirit makes that known to us. He distributes each one. And we don't all get the same information. And we may know about the gifts, but those who particularly know, or who have the gifts, need special instruction on how they are to use those gifts. So that's point D. Let me read it once more. So faith is not something we have. It is something where the spirit of truth equips and enables us to function according to the gifting he provided. Okay, So we need that, obviously. We wouldn't know how to use a spiritual gift otherwise. Point E, where it says, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Looking at that last phrase, distributed to each of you. So we don't all get the same faith. Now, faith, in this case, again, is knowledge of how to use our specific gifting. Now, I may know that there are other gifts, but I don't have the inside information on, on those gifts if I don't have them. It would be counterproductive for everybody to know every function. So when God, the Holy Spirit, uh, well, it's really God the Father, has designed the function of the church on the ground in the world, the body of Christ has been given all of these particular gifts for the common good, for the good of the body. So 
that, that is exactly how we are to use our gifts for the common good. So, um, so we don't all get the same knowledge. I think that hopefully that makes sense. If not, please raise the question. Um, because it, it doesn't make sense that we would all have exactly the same knowledge here. But it's about our, it's going to talk about our spiritual gifts. Point F. Here's where the warning of arrogance is important to remember. It is one thing to trust the word of God. But when we turn to others, we can trust the gift in them. But when we turn to others, can we trust the gift in them is meant to benefit us. Can we do that? Can we trust? We may say, well, I can be sure of what my gifts are. <laughs> Let's just say, I know what, what my gifts are. But can I identify the gifts that others have and benefit from them? Can I recognize it's not something that I have? And can I depend, trust, and rely on that, those gifts to bless me? See, that's the function of the gifts, that they would be for the common good. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12 and 7. Now, if you haven't looked at 1 Corinthians 12, it probably would be good to read the whole thing. We're not going to do that, but I'm picking out a few verses here that I think speak to what we're talking about. Verse 7. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So he goes through, manifestation is literally the different function of the of the gift different functions of the gift literally that's what it is what you are going to actually see and experience um, now you know I must say and I might make this point later but I think I gotta make it now some of the gifts will not be seen but even though we might not recognize them as such they are supportive of who we are and what we are doing in the in the world, and so we might not even know that those those gifts are functioning. But yes, they're functioning. God, the Holy Spirit, is working in them so that those gifts work. The body of Christ works in the world. First Peter four uh, ten and eleven. Let's look at the, that verse. We've read this before, just in case you're wondering. It's way off of where we've been looking at the gifts. First Peter 4, 10 and 11 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So we've been blessed with a gift. And remember, blessing brings also with it responsibility. So we, have, we are now, and here it is, as faithful stewards. Someone who needs to be responsible for the grace that God has given us, for what he has endowed us with. We are now responsible to be faithful toward, uh, to, to God in exercising those gifts as needed. He didn't give them to him just for show, us for show, and give them to, to us so that we can impress others or impress ourselves. He gave them so that they would benefit the body to serve others. Notice, if it, verse 11, if anyone speaks 
they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. Listen, don't put your own spin on it. Be careful here because this part of it requires that we literally speak, that's what it says, the very words of God. Now, obviously, you have to have that gift. This is not just anybody who wants to speak. It's, it's making sure that the person who speaks, he's talking about those who have gifts. If anyone serves, again, under the capacity of their gift, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and power, and the power forever and ever. Amen. So this is why I said be careful about arrogance, and he even gives us the attitude that we're supposed to have in exercising our spiritual gifts. It's a service attitude. That's where it is. Not something where we're puffed up. Now, obviously, the Corinthians had a lot of problems with these spiritual gifts. So it is not something that I'm making up and saying, oh, I'm just coming up with scenarios. No, all of these things happened and we ran into trouble, the church did, with spiritual gifts. I think that's where we were at point F. Here is a warning of arrogance. Um, it, it's important to remember that it, it is one thing to trust the word of God, but when we turn to others, can we trust the gift in them is meant to benefit us? I say that because I think Bill made the point last week where we're all given spiritual gifts. And we're, we're not just to look at one spiritual gift as the, the end all, but we ought to cultivate, grow in grace, and have our minds transformed so that we know the purpose of the Father. So we can come to understand our own spiritual gifts. Every one of you who are, who are under the sound of my voice and who is saved has a spiritual gift. No doubt about that. Point G, superiority and inferiority were how the Corinthians viewed the gifts which led to uh, coveting certain gifts, dissatisfaction with the gifts they had. Some of them thought, oh, I can't do what so-and-so does. Pretending and miss the misuse of gifts, right? When I say pretending, they were putting on, they didn't, they were mimicking uh, people who had certain spiritual gifts and really uh, they did not have them. It was a misuse of the gifting of God here. They, they distorted it. And we can read all that, especially in 1 Corinthians 12. It was, it was terrible. 12, 13, and 14. If those are the three chapters to read as, as it relates to uh, a lot of these things happening. The, the lusting after certain spiritual gifts. And I, I feel, you know, God is the one who distributes the gifts, not us. We don't get to choose whatever gift we want. Uh, we might think we can do a certain thing or we're gifted in a certain area, but we have to have our minds renewed first before we're able to do so. Point H says 
basically that in 1 Corinthians 12, 18. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So <clears throat> we talked about it uh, uh, from another point of view last week where we talked about, uh, or it might have been Sunday, uh, if, if there's a manager on, the, on a baseball team, he's the one who tells everybody what position they play. And um, everybody, the manager picks to play the position. We know it's just a game, and so you play that role. And, and when it comes to the gift that God has given you, it is going to be his enablement that he, he blessed you with. You're going, it's, going, it's not going to be strain, it's, it's not going to be a strain or tough or hard or awkward. It's going to, it's going to feel that you can certainly have uh, the ability to do whatever the task is, whatever the gift requires. You, it's not going to be stress. It's going to be a niche-oriented type of thing for you. You'll be able to fall right into it. It will fit you. And God knows, and he put them in the body, all these particular gifts, just as he wanted them to be. So there's no question about, we don't have to question God uh, and ask him, why did you give me this gift? I, w I wish I had the other gift. Uh, this is not right. I think I should be over. Usually all that happens when we don't realize what the plan is. And we think the plan is for our own purposes or to build us up like the Corinthians thought so that was that last phrase in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you let's keep it going we have a short verse here that we're going to try to cover this is Romans 12 4 uh, and you should have it in your notes it's, it's it reads for just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function. As we discover the gifting of the Spirit, we cannot escape the body analogy. It helps us to understand that we are one, but we are not all the same. There is a diversity of gifting because we need it. It is fair to say that if it is fair to say that we don't see everything, but we must trust God who can. Here's where the understanding of the Father's eternal purpose drives and informs the use of the church in the world. We are not much benefit to the Father if we are not working toward the same goal. Quote, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. I've heard Romans 8, 28 using a whole lot of context, but not so much in this one. So, but this is God. This is the working of God and how he is working things out in the body. So we have a, just a couple phrases that we're breaking this into. We're gonna to try to talk about those. One, for just as each of us has one body with many members. So we should all understand the body analogy on the surface, but may not have thought about the detail 
uh, I mean, when, when you think about the body, it is not so simple. I mean, we, for a doctor, even when you go to doctors who are supposed to specialize in the body, well, there's all kinds of doctors and there's all kinds of specialties that doctors have. So even when we start looking into the detail off the surface, you know, you got the doctors who are ear, nose, and throat doctors, you know, general practitioners. But then you got whatever ails you, whatever part of the body, whether it's the feet, you know, or it's the eyes, or it's the it's the brain, you name it. it there's a doctor for every part of the body, almost a specialty. And that's how, how detailed and precise the body is. And there's a lot of things that have to work for the body to function a lot. And we don't, we don't recognize it. All we know is, is it working? That's all we really sort of care about. Now, of course, we could be like a hypochondriac where... <laughs> We're, we're worried about every little thing that bothers us. And we say, oh, it must be this or it must be that. So we're not going to that extreme. But what we're doing is recognizing the body. So point B is we may overlook the detail until. One is we may notice how well our bodies are working and are performing at top efficiency. I mean, people can really... You know, they use their body and it is functioning or their their brain function is really firing on all cylinders. And we may look at ourselves and say to ourselves, man, we are really, really working. Now we are seeing the body like an engine and we're in control. And, but then point number two is when something goes wrong in the body, we're keenly aware and focus on that part. If it's a back injury or a knee injury or an eye injury or an ear, no matter what it is, you're keenly aware of it. Now, all of a sudden, the focus turns to that part and you recognize, whoa, I never knew uh, that this part was going to cause so much uh, trouble. And now the whole focus, my whole waking, all my waking moments are on that part until it gets fixed. So we, we're very sensitive. Now think about the body analogy because this analogy is huge. It goes a long way. And that goes to point C. This analogy expands on the head-body metaphor. So we're the body and Christ is the head. I'm going to read Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. Let's just look at that really quick. Ephesians 1. 22 says, and God placed all things under his feet, and that's Christ, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. Now listen to the analogy and the drilling down that he does, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So here we have that head-body analogy. But let me just stop for a minute. Every time we read about a metaphor, about something, uh, our relationship with Christ, or how we're connected to him, or and God says, well, let me tell you, it's just like this. And he 
gives us some analogy like this one and it talks about how he's the head over everything head means the authority and then he he uses that analogy which is his body the fullness of him so in essence we are Christ in that analogy well, we're Christ's body we could at least say because you don't see a head just floating around I mean if I look at the first Corinthians now maybe on some of the Hollywood movies you might have seen such a thing but when I'm looking at first Corinthians and it says well if the whole body were an eye where would the hearing be if the whole body if were an ear where would the you know other thing be and so we are the body, but Christ is the head, meaning the authority. And it is his, the mind of Christ where we gain knowledge and wisdom. So when we think about this body analogy and the fullness of him, we complete Christ in every way. And that, that each analogy tells us something about our relationship. So we're not just to use the analogy and say, well, he's the head, we're the body. He's the, he's the husband, we're the bride. Uh, he's, he's the vine, we're the branches. You know, we could go on to different analogies of how we're related to Christ. But each one of those analogies tells us something about the relationship on the spiritual side that God has uh, given through this union that we have with Christ. That's important to note. Don't just look over as though, okay, he, that's a cool analogy, the body analogy. Well, and the body analogy really fits good and it's used because it fits, it works, it really does. Uh, the, the different functions in the body and how the body functions as one unit, it's one body, but yet it has much diversity. Point C. Oh, that was point C. Point D. In order, in order for the, should be for the church, let me correct my notes. In order for the church to function in the world, there are many moving parts. Some of these parts are not prominent or visible, but they are certainly necessary. Now, God is the one who has us extended into the world. We are part of the Father's eternal purpose. I should have put the verse here. I want to, if you're already in Ephesians, go to Ephesians chapter 3, and we're looking at verse 10. His intent <coughs> was that now, through the church, here it is, so, so this is the creation of God, and through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So at the center of the Father's eternal purpose is the church. I should say his body, who we are in Christ, the new creation. There's a whole lot we could say to that, but uh, we, sh we should just note that we can't function 
and have full knowledge of how we're functioning. Really, that is God. What God is telling us, though, we need to come to the knowledge of the truth, meaning the Father's eternal purpose, and have, be fluent in that so that we can pivot and, and, and be useful to God the Father in this world through the gifts that he has enabled us to have. So it is through the church that God's wisdom, and what is his wisdom? It is that which was hidden, kept hidden in God who created all things. This wisdom that is destined for our glory before time began is 1 Corinthians 2.7. So it, we're not going to know every single detail about all the functions and how God is making this work in the world. But we're, we are to know how we can uh, help God as, as we're on the ground as well. So it, we don't see all the parts, all the gifts. And even 1 Corinthians 12 does bring that out. Some of the gifts are less prominent than others. Not every gift has the visibility like the ears, the eyes, the nose. Right? So not all the gifts will, will have that sort of functionality. But there are supportive gifts. I mean, if you think about the body, I don't see the bones uh, in the body, but the bones are... A structure that without the body would not be able to stand up or walk or do all these things. The, the, the skeletal structure supports the functions in the body. And without it, <clears throat> where would we be? I, I could say it that way. Where would we be if we did not have that skeletal structure? And then, then it goes, there's so many different bones. And the skeleton, I, I don't, I was going to look it up, but I thought, you know what, it's enough for the surface, just being on the surface of how intricate the body is and the analogy just fits. Part, uh, point E, <clears throat> whether we know it or not, the church needs full participation for it to maturely function. Ephesians 4 12 and 13. We're already in Ephesians. We'll just run over there. 12 and 13 says, <clears throat> to, so I'll, I'll read 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. So there it is. There it is. We just said the gifts. If you have this gift, use your gifts to serve others. If you speak, speak as one who speaks the very words of God. So, so, so that the body of Christ, this is Ephesians 4.12, may be built up. So built up is an analogy for growth, for spiritual growth. And then it says, uh, and this is the church as a whole, the, the body of Christ may be built up. Because remember, the gifts are for the function of the body. Until we all reach unity in the faith. Now, there's a time word there, until. So there is a point in time when the church is not mature and when the church is mature. And, that, and there's a difference. Well, what happens when it's mature? We will reach the unity in the faith 
The unity in the faith means uh, the Father's eternal purpose. We all are, no matter what our gift is, we are all functioning according to the Father's eternal purpose. We are functioning, right? Unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, when we think about the body being functional, you think about it this way. The body responds to the head. Body doesn't have an independent function, right? And we don't, we don't want to look at the body apart from the head. And who's the head? Christ. So Christ is Lord. It is his will, his purpose, his plan that the body executes. Just like when you get up, if your body is functioning properly, you can get up and walk over to the refrigerator and get a drink or whatever. You can drive a car. You can do all these different things because, but the, the head is what tells the body how to function. So a mature relationship between the head and the body is where the head understands fully the mind of Christ and is able to function accordingly, right? Just like we've been talking about with the gifts. Then, notice 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching. Instead, speaking the truth in, in love. Now notice, we never associated these verses, right, 13, uh, 14, with uh, the church as a whole. We associate, we always looked at them as individual, at least I should say we, but I'm going to say me. I did. I looked at this, well, this is individual, uh, you know, when it talks about uh, infants tossed, and, and the word there is napias, right? It, mean, doesn't, it doesn't mean like a baby on a mother's breast. It means a baby that is 30 going on three. Uh, you no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up and become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Now, <clears throat> there it is right there. All of those verses are speaking collectively about the church's maturity and, and how the church uh, should function in the world. And we saw it in Ephesians 3, which is a very key role. Look at Ephesians 3, 11. Again, uh, his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. That's huge. This was the mystery and all that. It was hidden for ages and now it is revealed. And now we are uh, in the position to inform angels, principalities, all mankind, angels, everybody, what God has done in the church in the new creation. So, let's get back to our notes. <clears throat> um, that's our participation, and it's critical. Point F, many members, right? So, so that's what it says. Uh, for just as each of us has one body with 
many members, many members. This relates to the diversity of gifts. Spirit of Truth provides the gifts as needed to each one. We cannot see what the church needs, but the Spirit can and equips. So we, I know people look at the gifts as very static. Like, well, we can count all the gifts that are in Galatians and count all the gifts that are in Corinthians and count all the gifts that are in Romans. And then we have a, uh, the total of gifts. I don't believe it's that way. The Spirit gives whatever He thinks we need as the body on the ground. He gives whatever gift, whatever enablement, whatever the church needs. I think it's fluid, not static. And the Spirit is in control. He gives the gifts just as He determines. So we, we don't want to make it so wooden and static that, okay, we can look at the gifts and pick which one we want. Remember, some of the gifts don't function visibly. They're more from the supportive standpoint. And people will be, who grow up will be functioning in them, but they're not from a visible perspective. It is something that is more supportive or service. So... We may not recognize it, but God, the Holy Spirit, does. And remember, when we get to the judgment seat of Christ, we're being rewarded for the things done while in the body. Now, guess what? We didn't do those things, but God gave us the energy and the power to do those things and the gifting. So for him to use us in the world, he rewards us at the judgment seat of Christ. Wonderful, wonderful. We just have point number two, and we just have a few points to cover. And, uh, and that is, and these members do not all have the same function. Point A, the members do not all have the same function, but all are working toward the same purpose. That's, if I look at Ephesians 5 and 30 for that thought, 5.30 says, for we are members of the same body. So we don't have the same gifts. There's diversity, but we all belong to the same body. And it's the same spirit and who gives these gifts. It's the same spirit who gives the manifestation of these gifts. So none of it really is about us other than the fact that God is using us in this world for those who have humility toward him, he can use us. So, so members do not all have the same function, but all are working toward the same goal. And that's because we are all the same. We, we are, even though we might look at one another, those of us who are in the body of Christ, along our brothers and sisters, and we may have opinions about them, really, as soon as a person is saved in this age, they are special. They're special to God. Every one of us. Doesn't matter what their gifting is. Each member has value. Each member was called from eternity past, before time began. And we are coming home as we think about these things to our eternal purpose. Point B, 
we can understand and learn to appreciate how wonderfully the body was made as Psalm 139.14. I think you all know that scripture. Maybe not. I'll, I'll just read it real quick. Psalm 139. Here, let's get to it. If you're not familiar with the Psalms, it's they are good reading, so you should take some time to make yourself familiar with uh, a lot of praise. Here, I, verse 14, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And when you think about, and then it goes on 15, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So now, of course, we know the body is a part of us and God used the womb to, to, so that it would form in the womb. And he's the one who saw and oversaw all of that was God. But then when it came time to create your life, that is when you took that body. So just like we saw in Hebrews chapter 10 with Christ. So just to note, fearfully and wonderfully made, we should have admiration for the Father's eternal purpose because if the body, if we're impressed with the physical body and the physical body is only used as an analogy for something much greater that is what the father has done in the eternal purpose that is what we should really have great admiration for point c is just a verse here for us it's first corinthians 12 17 if the whole body were an eye where would the sense of hearing be the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? So you have vision, right? Hearing, you have uh, and the sense of smell. So you have three senses that the body has. It's very, very distinct senses. But not everybody can have those particular spiritual gifts that they correspond to. He's just saying, every one of us is important to God. Every function in the body, and we already illustrated that by let something go wrong with something in your body. Then all of the focus shifts to what is this? Uh-oh, we need to go check this out. Let's get a specialist. <laughs> let's let's see how, let's look, see what, what is the problem here? Especially if it's something orthopedic and it, it, it slows us down from what we want to do. But any problem with the body, then we are going to focus on it. Point D, we're coming to a close. So uh, we're going to have some time for Q&A. Uh, we should love and care for our bodies. After all, no one ever hated their own body. This is a quote from Ephesians 5. After all, no one ever hated their own body but they feed and care for their body. So, and there's more that could be said from Ephesians 5, but since we're still on the analogy part, I think the, the, the focus part here about the body is 
all these members do not have the same function, but we have the same purpose, but we, we don't all uh, have the same function. But what, what we should know is <clears throat> that from this verse is that God loves us. He's proud of what he has created in Christ. It is something that he loves and cherishes. We, that's what we should get from the thought of this analogy. Uh, if I go to Ephesians 5, there's more verses I could have gleaned, but I think this does capture the point. 529, so it says, and uh, let's look at 28. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Wow, we could take some time there. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. So the analogy, the husband and wife analogy, is for us to see the relationship that we have with Christ as his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. We're talking about Christ and the church, right? This, and when I think about this verse, as I said, once we get to the eternal state, is there going to be a Christ in his body or is it just going to be Christ? One flesh. Verse 32, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Okay, so however, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself. That's not the subject, but guess what? Hopefully you understand from the analogy that he's talking about the unique, awesome relationship that we have by means of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So there's much more. We can talk. We're going to have more verses in front of us, but no worries. Uh, this hopefully will help us orient to these verses that hope that we just went through. We're going to pause, open the floor for some Q&A, if there is Q&A uh, questions. Uh, we will, the floor is now open. Implement that plan. Mm, yeah. 
Yeah. So, yeah, I would agree. We we have been created <clears throat> for this purpose. I'm I'm wondering when people think about when they talk about growing up and studying the Bible and you know Bible study, all the different things that are related to it, uh, having the focus of humility, if they understand our purpose. What does God want of us? What have we growing up into? What, what are we uh, discovering about ourselves? What is the mystery that was hidden for ages and past generations but is now revealed? How are we related to that? And all, so people, if they have the purpose in front of them, I mean, I, there's one thing to note when you're in college or school and you, 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 you're looking, and I used to say, oh, I could see, once I was in college, I remember I said, oh, I could see the light at the end of the tunnel. What did I mean? I meant, I could see me graduating now. I got enough credits here and there, and I could see how it's going to work where I can graduate, and I'll have a degree. Well, all of that, where God brought us on the scene, he brought us through Adam and spiritual, all of the bad news. But that wasn't who we are. That's not who we are. He saw us from and called us from eternity past for something very special. Adam was just how he got here. Now that we came through Adam, let's just make sure we don't identify with who Adam is and we identify with who Christ is, the last Adam. And then begin to see ourselves according to that purpose. So all of the molding and the shaping and all of that, Bill, I would say, is God's doing. All we can do is allow God to do that for us, uh, to have the humility to say, okay, God, Whatever you want me to be, whatever my spiritual gift is, I'm willing to serve. Wherever you put me in the, in the battle, I'll serve. If you want me to go here in this country or that country, if you would have put me anywhere and I came to the, just like uh, Christ came to the realization that he was in the world. And, and what did he do? He humbled himself and became obedient even to the death of a cross. So that's what, how he served and allowed God to use him in this world. So it is with us. All those things you mentioned, giving us life, the net shema, is, and, and you mentioned the verse in uh, first, Second Corinthians 4, 7, and 8, for, for we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So again, remember what we were just talking about is really not us. It's just what he has made of us. We, it's almost like we're light bulbs. He's the electricity. We're not, we can't light anything without him. He's the only source of power. So verse 4a, we're hard pressed on every side, but not crushed perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus 
so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Yeah, it's an interesting collage of scriptures you put together, Bill. I'll pause. Yeah, they were just coming to me as you were speaking. I try to remember them all, but mm. that's what was on my mind as you were speaking. It just brought all those points out. Yeah. So we so we have to focus. One thing. Another, another, go ahead. I'm sorry. You go ahead. Yeah. I was gonna say another 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 thing you stated was you know that we are we are we are uh, an important element in God's arsenal. You know we really do carry uh, a great a great weight. You know, and, and he and he mentions us so many ways about how he protects us because we're very important to him. You know, yeah. But those the Father put in my hand, no one should pluck them out, and he'll be with us to the end of the end of the age. And you know, he just carries on about how you know he's going to covet the church, so that puts us in a high position. Yeah, I would also say we are at the center of God's eternal purpose, especially with the Ephesians 5 analogy about the husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of the water through the word to present her to himself, a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. So he's not just saying husband. He's the, put Christ is in the position of husband. And he's saying that's how he feels about the church. Well, it may not be how husbands feel about their wives. <laughs> Maybe it is. Hopefully it is. But mainly this thing is talking about how Christ feels about us. And no one ever had there's no way you could be, up a little bit. You could be displeasing to Christ in any way. Yeah. No way. So hopefully you were able to hear some of the comments. But yeah, I appreciate your your comments. Yeah. Other thoughts or follow ups from Bill? Yeah, I have one. Um, I know, like, Bill, you break it up. I, you know, you coming in and out, though. I was um, going over, even though we discussed it before, in Philippians, about um, he's the very nature of God. But he didn't feel like suddenly glass, because it was the rookie he had, though. Yes. And how he went to the cross and he died for our, our sins, though. I had to, I really. I was reading it, and I was going back over that again. I know we discussed it before, though, you know. Mm-hmm. But even though he's the very nature of God, he never he never seemed to be in equality with God. That's a guilty part of it. Right, so who Christ was or is is important. It's not just like he was just born into the world in Bethlehem. He pre-existed right. Bethlehem. He's not just somebody like me or you who God created on the spot when the body was ready for imputation. No, Christ existed from eternity past. As it said, as 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 it's given to us in John in the beginning was the word. It, he was there. And the word was with God and the word himself was God. So when we when we 
calculate this a little bit in our minds and we think about, okay, so who did this? Who humbled themselves? Who, who, was, who had equality with God that, with that stature and then humbled themselves? For me to humble myself? <laughs> As for me, I came from Adam, dead in my transgressions and sins. I need to humble myself. Well, Christ, in order to fulfill the Father's purposes, had to humble himself. And, who, and he was in very nature God. That's who he is. And he, that's how he handled it. He didn't come through Adam, spiritual death, sinfulness. He was perfect in every respect. He was, he existed before he came into the world as eternal God. But then he, he took on, where it says he made himself nothing. How did he do that? He took by taking the very nature of a servant and being in the very nature of a servant it says being made in human likeness so now he can't stop being god no he, the fact that he's god he can't suspend his divine attributes but what he can do is he can take on human nature and human nature has limitations then he allowed God the Father to use his human nature while he was here in the world to the extent that he was able to fulfill the plan of God, pay for the sins of the world, bring, uh, prepare the church for the new age, all the work that he did while he was here. Yeah, so those verses, Dave, never get old to me. I'm always impressed as I read those verses or think about them, because Jesus was not like us, but he, he, we are the same types of persons that he is. The fact that he is a human being and that person who was eternal God took on a body, a human nature, and he was just like us in every respect, except for sin, obviously. So interesting thoughts, Dave. Thank you. Thank you for raising those. Other thoughts out there or follow-ups from Dave? I hear quiet, so I'm give it another moment just to be sure or we will have to conclude because of the time we will we will uh, give you guys back some time all right thank you guys for your presence let's uh let's close with a word of prayer thank you father for this opportunity we've had uh, to focus our attention on the wisdom which is, has been destined for our glory before time began. We thank you, Father, for choosing us, for your sovereign grace, for your gifts, for the operation and manifestation of your spiritual gifts in us. And we pray that as we focus our attention on your eternal purpose, that you will continue to reveal each person's gift 
and how they can use it to them personally. So we thank you for all that you have made of us in Christ and the center of your, your love and your care. We, we, we thank you for those who have joined uh, the Bible study and ask that you will continue to challenge us as we look at your word, which tells more about your eternal purpose. All of this we ask in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Thank you all.